Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Isaiah K Podcast. Welcome back, welcome back to another episode of the IKP. I think this is episode 104, 105. I think it was episode 105, 105 episodes in. Um, so as promised, I will deliver. Um, I will give you guys my quarterback tiers going into uh, um, next this year. You know, going into this year off of the previous season, you know, some guys probably have elevated. Some guys probably have gone down in my quarterback tier. I did this quarterback tier list um, in the summertime of last year. I think like a, I think a month before the season, I did a quarterback tier list. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna look some somewhat similar, but I think some of the guys, some guys on this list have probably elevated or like I said, dropped. Um, I'm gonna have I'm gonna also gonna give you guys my top ten. NBA players of all time, I will, you know, explain, you know, my list, of course, but I'm going to give you guys all of this and some more uh, after this quick break. Okay, so before I get into my list and my um, explanation of my list and how I have uh, ranked these quarterbacks, I you, you know with, with us talking about Cam Newton, uh, we talk like the quarterbacks that we mainly talk about or that we have been talking about has been um, you know Cam Newton, Baker, Dak, Carson Wentz, Mahomes, Lamar, like we have Jimmy Garoppolo. We uh, we have talked about those quarterbacks a lot, Aaron Rodgers, and I like these quarterbacks' talent. But what I do is, I uh, I take their best season away, and I take the especially with quarterbacks like where it's hard to judge, like your uh, your Cam's, your Cam Newtons of the world, your Matt Ryan's of the world. Some people, you know, try to figure out is Cam uh, is, is Matt Ryan a A quarterback? Is he a B quarterback? Is he average? Um, so I'm going to give you that, but I, I usually, with my explanation, I give you the best quarterback. I mean, I give you their best career. I give, I give you their best season and their worst season. Uh, okay, so here goes my top, my quarterback tier list. Uh, I broke it down to about four or five tiers. And the first tier is obviously the top tier. This is the tier where fans of these teams, of these quarterbacks that these teams play for, they wake up every Sunday morning and they say, we have a shot because we have this guy at the quarterback position. These are the ultimate franchise guys, and they're elite. Uh, They're elite. Some of these guys haven't won Super Bowls. Most of them have. But um, some of these guys haven't won Super Bowls. Some of these, most of the, most of these guys have though. But these are my elite quarterbacks, elite of the elite, the best of the best franchise guys. Uh, they their their teams win because of their performances. Uh, first Brady, uh, then Patrick Mahomes. This is not in order. Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Rogers, Carson Wentz, Ben Roethlisberger, and Drew Brees. That is my top tier list. That is my list where they their teams win because of their performances solely. They don't they don't necessarily need a great defense. They don't need a great run game all the time. These guys can come in and win a ball game any given Sunday or every Sunday if you need them to. They can carry you throughout the regular season. Now, the second tier guys, these are the guys that are usually difficult to uh, – the next two tiers are, the, are those type of guys, those type of quarterbacks that are really hard to judge. I, I told you guys how I judged them. 
I take their best year right. I take their best year away, and I take their worst year away. And that is usually how I judge some of these quarterbacks in these next two tiers. Now, the second tier are quarterbacks who have a chance of being tier one quarterbacks. Some of these guys do because they're young. But these are quarterbacks with a couple holes in their game or a hole in their game. These are quarterbacks where they can win any given Sunday. They can win any given Sunday. They can put up big-time numbers any given Sunday, but they have a hole in their game. That's usually that's usually who these guys are. And it's the sec- this is the second tier. Matt Ryan, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jared Goff. These are the second tier guys where I think you can win with them any given Sunday. Um, some of these guys are not as physically gifted, like uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, not physically gifted. Matt Ryan, not physically, not physically gifted. Uh, Jared Goff, not overly athletic, but those guys like Jared Goff and Matt Ryan, I think Jared Goff and Matt Ryan are uh, very similar. I think Jared Goff has a stronger arm than Matt Ryan. Um, but I think these are guys you can win with any given Sunday. You give them the right, you give them the right team any given Sunday they can win, but they just have a couple holes in their game. Usually they have a couple holes in their games. Like with Matt, like with Lamar Jackson, you know, accuracy on the sideline. That's a hole in this game, but everything else about Lamar, his arm strength is good. His accuracy has gotten better. He, he has total package. And, I mean, athletically, we know how gifted he is. Uh, Jared Goff, you know, he has a hole in this game. He can he has a nice, he throws a pretty deep ball. But um, Jared Goff, he, you know, he struggles with pressure in his face. If you put pressure in Jared Goff's face, that's usually where, you know, he starts to struggle. And he has his, he has his turnovers. That is Jared Goff's hole in this game. Deshaun Watson, I think he tries to do too much at times. I like Deshaun Watson, and I get it because he plays for he plays for a Houston team. With you, you guys are now seeing he plays for a Houston team where a lot is asked of him. But I think sometimes instead of him being Superman and trying to make the Superman type plays, I know sometimes he he has to he has to turn back to Clark Kent. That's my thing with Deshaun Watson. He has to turn back to Clark Kent. And he has to know how to, you know, he has to know when to make those Superman type plays. But Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson, especially those two, have the potential to being, you know, being in that tier one because of their talent and the way how they carry their teams. Um, now this next tier is very difficult to judge as well because some of you guys may think they are tier two, but this is the tier where I call this is a tier of quarterbacks where I think they need a strong running game. They need a strong defense. They need the right personnel around them and a good blending with the coach. I think this is the tier that that we talk about, that we criticize the most because some of these quarterbacks have some really talented rosters. Some of these quarterbacks play on uh, average rosters, but that's why we criticize them the most. I think this is probably one of the most criticized Tiers, but and you might you got and like I said, you guys may move these tiers around or move these quarterbacks around, but this is the third tier that I think this is the third tier that I think they need a strong defense, a strong running game with the right personnel in the right system with the right coach, and that's that's Dak, Kirk Cousins, Baker, Josh Allen, Stafford, Matthew Stafford. Dirk Carr, Ryan Tannehill, Cam Newton, and Teddy Bridgewater. You can see that was that was that was the longest list. That was the longest list because it's a lot of quarterbacks. That, you know, not every quarterback um, can be elite. Not every quarterback has you know elite arm talent or you know have the you know have the measurables of a of a Carson Wentz or, or Aaron Rodgers. So. These are the quarterbacks that I think are most difficult to judge because sometimes they have great years, and but we, we don't pay attention to the O-line and their defense and their running game and the personnel that they have around them. But these are the quarterbacks that are 
mo- that are most difficult to judge. And once again, Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, Matthew Stafford, Dirk Carr, Tannehill, Cam, and Teddy Bridgewater. Dak and Cousins are merely the same guys. Dak needs a great offensive line. Dak needs a number one receiver. He needs a star receiver. Uh, he needs a good running game. Go look at Dak Prescott's best, game of, best games of his career. His best games of his career came when his defense played well. It came when, uh, you know, when Zeke had a big-time game on the ground. Kirk Cousins, the same. He needs a great defense. He needs weapons on the outside. He needs a running game. He needs all of these things. Now, guys like Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen, uh, I think they have the chance of being Tier 2 quarterbacks. Josh Allen is very raw. Josh Allen is very raw. He, can, he He's very raw with a lot of arm talent, and he's very athletic with some good measurables. I think he's a little too raw. You, you, and you saw that. You saw glimpses of that throughout the season. You saw glimpses of his talent, and then you saw glimpses of his immaturity and the mistakes that he has made. You saw glimpses of that. Baker, uh... He needs the right personnel around him. He needs the right coach around him, the right culture around him. Baker, you know, he, you, some of you guys may say, hey, Baker had Odell and Jarvis, Jarvis Landry. He had all these weapons, you know, Joku. He had all these big-time weapons. Why couldn't Baker needed, needs the right personnel. Baker needs the right coach. I think I think the Browns would be I think the Browns will ultimately be better because I think Baker will be better this year. Uh guys like Matthew Stafford, uh Cam Newton, you know, Stafford always always have had like strong arm talent, but Stafford isn't overly impressive. His resume isn't overly impressive. He has never won the NFC North. He has never won a playoff game. He's gotten to the playoff once. I think Stafford is just going to be a, one of those talented guys that has just underachieved in his career. Talented guy, but has underachieved. Same thing with, um, you know, Cam Newton. Big time talent. Love his talent. Love his measurables. But Cam Newton is not an accurate passer. He's never been an accurate passer. He throws a nice spurl, but not an accurate passer. Ryan Tannehill needs a great defense, needs a great running game. You guys get the gist. And then this last tier, these quarterbacks, they're young. But this last tier, they they can, you know, however way their careers go, they can, you know, move up, obviously. But I doubt that most of these quarterbacks on this last tier – Stay at this last tier. This last tier is a tier where they're young, they're raw, they need the right personnel, the right setting around them, but I don't have enough on them. I don't have enough to judge Kyler Murray. I don't have enough to judge Daniel Jones or Sam Darnold. And this is this tier. Sam Darnold. Danny, Daniel, Dan, I was gonna call him Daniel Dimes, Daniel Jones, Drew Locke, Kyler Murray, and Dwayne Haskins. Those five guys, those five quarterbacks, all are young. Have been in probably, you know, most of them have been in some chaotic situations, like Sam Darnold in a bad situation. He's shown more maturity. That Adam Gase has, so I like. So I, I want to see more. I want to see more from Sam Donald, um, and I want to see the Jets put more around him before I just out out outwardly judge him. But he is raw with a lot of ability, but but really raw. But I can't judge him. I don't. I, don't, I haven't seen enough tape. Drew Locke, the same thing. 
Now, the Denver Broncos, I, I mentioned the Denver Broncos last week. The Denver Broncos may have found their guy. And, they, and I'm saying they may have found their guy. But the Broncos and John Elway, they think they have found their guy. I like Drew Locke as a talent. I watched him. I watched him. I watched some of him when he was at Missouri. He put up great numbers in a conference that has great defenses. But once again, it's Missouri. Um, so we will see. But Denver is loading up that team. We will see how Drew Locke and the Broncos look. Not enough tape on them, but he's really raw. Kyler Murray, the same thing. Raw, a lot of talent. I see a lot of Russell Wilson, but I'm, we, you know, this year it's going to be a year where I can, I, you know, I get more tape on him. He, you find, you know, they found Arizona finally got him another receiver to throw to, other than Larry Fitzgerald. So. Him with DeAndre Hopkins, I want to see that tandem and how that makes him a better quarterback um, going into his second year. So not enough tape on Kyler Murray. Raw, um, you know, Arizona wasn't really good this year. They weren't expected to be good this year. But this pre- this upcoming year, Arizona can make some noise in the NFC West. And then lastly, Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins, uh, look, he's – He's in a chaotic situation with the Redskins. Uh, now they're trying to they're trying to bring him some help. Ron Rivera did announce him as the starter, but he will still have to compete for the job. So we'll see how the way Haskins grows and develops over the season. I worry about his mechanics a little bit, but that can be fixed. And then this last year, you guys were like, "Where's Joe Flacco and Philip Rivers?" These guys are, you know, they're backups now. They're backups. They're either backups or not good enough to be starters. i catch you guys after this quick break. Of my quarterback tiers, those quarterbacks that was not mentioned, like Philip Rivers, Jameis Winston, Nick Foles, Mitchell Trubisky, I think those guys, like Mitch Trubisky, this is his last chance. I think if Trubisky, if he if he doesn't find if he if he can't find a way to be a more accurate throw of the football, I think he's out of the league or he's going to be a long term a long time a long time backup. Uh, Nick Foles, yes, I know he won a Super Bowl. Yes, I know he had a tremendous run with the Eagles, but he is a career backup. Same thing with Jameis Winston, uh, Marcus Mariota, and those guys. I view those guys as career backups, so that's why they weren't on like you know my tier list. So everybody's hitting me up, and I've been talking like I told you guys. I've been talking about Cam Newton for uh, for last week or so. I've been talking about Cam Newton, and I'm getting a lot. I'm getting some pushback. I'm getting some pushback. Some of you guys are so rebellious, and some of you guys just genuinely, you know, genuinely, genuinely love Cam Newton. You guys love Cam Newton. You guys are embedded to Cam Newton, and it reminds me of some things. When you're just so embedded to certain things, no matter what that, you know, person or player or thing does, no matter what it does, you're always going to have their back because you're just embedded into them. And it's a difference from liking somebody, you know, you like how they do a certain thing or you like you just like that person. But it's a whole different thing. It's a whole different perspective and definition when you're just embedded to something. You're embedded to something. And when you are embedded to something, you stick by them. It's like it's like the people that hate Trump. Like they just hate Trump. Like you know those people like you know those people that just just like down that's just down outward, just like hate Trump. 
There's people out there like that. And, you know, he could have passed a bill that was, you know, that was, that could be deemed beneficial. You know, he could have said some things that could have been, you know, helpful, that was positive. You know, Trump, you know, people, you know, Trump could get, you know, he receives blame for things that has nothing to do with him. You know? Or, you know, some some people are just so embedded to certain companies. No matter if that company, you know, had a bad year or had a down year or that or that company's latest release isn't really good. Some people are just so embedded and so factuated with that company. They're not going to admit they're going to always have a one sided perspective. And that's what it is with you guys with Cam Newton. You guys are so embedded to Cam Newton. You know, your, fa- your, fa- your fanboys out there. I'm not talking to everybody, but I'm talking to the fanboys out there. You're just so embedded with Cam Newton. You guys remember him when he was in college in Auburn. He won the Heisman. He beat Alabama. He beat Oregon to win the national title game. And since then, you know, he's been a lovable, he's been a lovable figure. And he has built a core fan base. And, you know, you guys, you guys are embedded to him. You guys are embedded to him. And you just won't see, you don't, you don't, you don't, you see, your, 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 your perspective is really one-sided. You don't see, you don't look through both lens. You look at one lens. You look at one perspective. You look at the perspective that benefits Cam. You look at you look at the perspective and you listen to the perspective that is pro cam. But people's asking, why aren't the Chargers going out to Cam Newton? The Chargers need a quarterback. Why are they not going out to Cam Newton? Well, you would think, oh, who's the Chargers quarterback? Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor. You're like, Cam Newton's better than Tyrod Taylor because the perspective. You know, Cam is a Heisman Trophy winner. Cam went to Auburn. Cam was number one draft pick. Cam had an MVP season. But since that MVP season, since that MVP season, Cam has a 23-23 and record. With 65 touchdowns and 44 interceptions. With a 59 completion percentage and an 82 passer rating. Okay. You're like, okay, so let's, let's talk about Taylor numbers. Cam numbers are way better. Are they? Are Cam numbers way better than Tyrod Taylor? I give you Tyrod Taylor's numbers. His last 44, his last 46 starts. Mind you, Tyrod only has 46 career starts. Cam Newton has played 20, he has played 46 games since his MVP season. Tyrod Taylor only has only has 46 career starts. So what's Tyrod Taylor's numbers? He's 24 and 21 and 1. He has 24 wins, 21 losses, and one tie. With a dis with dysfunctional Cleveland and rebuilding Buffalo at the time. Went 24 and 21 and won. He has 54 touchdowns to 20 interceptions. So yeah, he has he has, you know, doesn't have as many touchdowns as Cam, but he doesn't have as many turnovers as Cam. He has a 61 completion percentage, which is higher than Cam. Not spectacular, but it's higher, it's higher than Cam's. And then his pass rating is 90. They go to Big Gap. The Big Gap with Tyrod Taylor and Cam is the turnovers and the pass rating. Not much gap between the two. They're both average. Tyrod Taylor, he's an average quarterback. Cam Newton, since his MVP season, he's been an average quarterback. And if you take away his MVP season, 
He's an average quarterback overall. And I talked about maturity. I talked about maturity the previous episode. And I said, and I said, I think the reason why guys like Nick Foles, Teddy Bridgewater, Case Keenum, the reason why they consistently and continue to get jobs, even if they're backup jobs, but they continue to get jobs, is because they're mature. They know how to be adults. You can build a culture around them. They can be a leader. Cam, once again, I all I all I saw this weekend from Cam was social media, social media, social media, social media. Cam, it seems like he's heavily embedded into social media. He's posting all his workout vids. You know, he's talking about him. You know, he's talking about we love people love the underdog story. But he's not an underdog. Okay. So he doesn't view himself as an underdog. Okay. Cam is working out the gospel music. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it at all. I like gospel. It's nothing wrong with that, though. But it's like, why? I mean, come on. Come on, Cam. And I'm not going to be that guy that, you know, that nitpicks and critiques Cam every post. I'm not gonna be that guy or every tweet. I'm not gonna be that guy because I don't want to be that guy. I don't. I, I, I don't want. I don't want to be that guy. But it does also mention, and it also it adds some validation to my point about the lack of maturity. So come at me again, you 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 know you can't your fan your Cam Newton fanboys. Come at me again. Why don't the Chargers sign Cam Newton? Well, Cam Newton's average. Tavar Taylor's average. They're, Cam Newton's not an upgrade. He's not a up. He's not an upgrade. And if you want to be honest, who's more coachable? Cam or Tavar Taylor? Who's more coachable? Who's who's more coachable? I think it's Tavar Taylor. I think he's more coachable. Who has? The least health concerns. Both of them are mobile, but I would say Tyrod Taylor. He's going to be available, and he's more coachable. Because that's what it boils down to. Yes, I know Cam Newton's a, you know, he has, he's bigger, and he, he may be faster, and he may have a, he, he has a stronger arm. Than Tyrod Taylor, but in performance wise, he's average. And Tyrod Taylor's average. And you know what coaches usually do? You know what teams usually do when, you know, players when players are both even or, or, or you know, even evenly as good? They say who's more coachable? Who has the least who has the least risk of getting hurt? And if you answer those two questions, the answer to both of those questions, Tyrod Taylor. So there you go. And I saw this, um, I saw this topic on you know on another show, and I was like, oh, this is good. This is a good topic. Because, yeah, why Cam Newton? What, what, I mean, I don't know what it is about the perception of Cam Newton. And I don't know, cause I, I, I think, and I, I know, I know, I, I know what it is. He was a big time college football superstar. He was a Heisman Trophy winner at Auburn. He had a great story at Auburn. He's a mobile. He's a fun. He's a, a he's a he's a guy that is uh, that has a likable quality about himself. So I understand it. I get it. That's why he's likable. You know, he does all the cool dance moves. He wear the cool hats. You know, I see why. But he's average, and he's always been average. And he, he, had, he had one great year. Like I said, I'm, I'm going to continue to say it. Cam Newton is a guy. He's a quarterback, great athlete, average quarterback. That had one great year. That's who he is. That's who he is. That's who he is. That's who he always. That's who he's always gonna be. 
That's that's who he always gonna be. He's gonna be that guy. Great, great. He had a great year, but overall in his career, he's average. He's an average quarterback. It's pretty average. That's who he is. So Tyrod Taylor, Cam Newton, they're both average. They're kind of the same guys. I know why the charge. I know why the Chargers are not are not going after Cam. Cam is you know Cam is way Cam has way too much fame to be uh to be in in a backup. He's way too famous. You know they the Chargers have dealt with drama already. They have, they have dealt with the drama quarterback already. You know with, with Philip Rivers. His interceptions and the turnovers, they dealt with that already. They're going into a new phase. I know why the Chargers are not going after Cam Newton. I know why. I know exactly why. I'll be back after the quick break. Okay, so I want to give, you know, I want to, you know, I, I gave you guys my tiers and my top tier quarterbacks and where I think all the quarterbacks or starting quarterbacks in the league, and, you know, I ranked them by tiers. I want to break it down a little bit because I know some people are going to question. These are the ones that I think people are going to most question. Carson Wentz being, at the, being on the first tier. Uh, the reason why I have Carson Wentz on the first tier, you, you if you listen to this podcast, you would know that um, I, 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 I've i given a lot of praise to Carson Wentz. What Carson Wentz did this previous year, I'm not even going to bring up the MVP caliber season that he had um, back in, what, 2016? 20, 2017? Yeah, 2017. I'm not going to bring that season up uh, yet, but what he did last year with 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 basically most of most of his receiver core gone, um, running backs gone down, offensive line you know important offensive linemen being injured, he took a hobbled and he took a hobbled Philadelphia team to the playoffs when the Cowboys were. You know, the Cowboys basically was leading the division throughout for, for a good share for a majority of the year. The Cowboys had control of the NFCs. And Carson Wentz took full advantage, took Carson Wentz, put the Eagles on his back, and carried them to the playoffs. Albeit, okay, you wanna you know, some people say, hey. Look who he played against. Okay, they're NFL teams. The Cowboys were had a great roster last year. He beat the Cowboys. He beat the Cowboys, who who were much more healthier, um, who who had the lead in the division throughout most of the year. The Cowboys had that early, you know, early in the season. The Cowboys had beat down the Eagles in Texas really bad. So this should be me. We can't get on Dak for not winning the division. We can't get on Dak for not winning and going to the playoffs, but then don't give Carson Wentz any any props. Don't we like we don't acknowledge what Carson Wentz has done. And that is what I'm talking about. That, like what Carson Wentz did, that's all I want to see from the young quarterbacks. The young quarterbacks, the the young quarterbacks that you guys continue to think the young quarterbacks that you guys can continue continue to rave about, um, and you know, you you think they should be in this in this next year? Well, do that. Talk about what Carson Wentz did. Acknowledge the fact and acknowledge what Carson Wentz pulled off later in the season, because not a lot of young guys can do that. Not a lot of not not a lot of young guys can do that 
with no number one receiver, no deep threat, offense line banged up, running backs banged up, defense okay. Like you, you it's there's not many young quarterbacks doing that. And then you so you take that account, you take that, you know, this season what he did, he played really well, especially down the stretch. And then you mix that with his talent. Carson Wentz is probably, as far as a, a thrower of the football and athletically, Carson Wentz is probably the closest thing to Patrick Mahomes. Carson Wentz has the arm talent. He has the, he has the canny ability to make throws on the run, off balance. And I, got, I, I criticized them throughout the season because I was like, well, Carson Wentz, you can make these spectacular throws that not a lot of guys in the league can make. Only about three guys in this league can make throws like Carson Wentz can. Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and Patrick Mahomes. And there's, there's not many quarterbacks that's, that's making these off-balance throws, on-the-run throws. I, gotta, I, I criticized him because he made too many of those plays but was not making enough of the easy plays, the check-down routes. Overthrowing checkdown routes, overthrow you know, not 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 put enough zip in in some balls. I I, I got him. I, I criticized Carson Wentz for that. I criticized him for making big time plays and spectacular plays, but not converting on the easy plays, the, the plays that's easy. But Carson Wentz, you know, fixed it up. He he couldn't. I mean, he didn't have. He didn't have the room to spare to make any of those special and spectacular plays. He had to take what the defense was giving him because the, because his weapons on offense were bad. His weapons on offense were subpar. The only guys he had was Zach Ertz. That's the only guy he had on offense was Zach Ertz. Everybody else, uh, shaky. Practice squad guy. They, they signed a couple guys off the street. I don't know. I don't know. But Carson Wentz. Made it work. Then, you add, like I said, you add his talent, you add his arm talent, you add his measurables. That's a, that's a damn good quarterback. That is a damn good quarterback that we are talking about right now. And, I, you know, some people are going to argue Lamar Jackson. I, can, I, I understand the argument, but I feel like Lamar needs the right personnel. Lamar needs a great running game. You know, it helps when you have a good defense. It helps. It helps any quarterback. It helps any quarterback when you got a good running game. But Lamar needs that. Now, I do think Lamar can, and I think in the next few years, he will be taking, he will be taking, you know, further steps to reach that, that tier one status where he doesn't need all of that. He don't need a running game. Everybody, like, the things that, the stuff that I wanted that I wanted to watch out and you know see what Lamar Jackson was going to do. The, the, the situations that I wanted to see him in was those third down situations where everybody in the stadium, everybody and their grandmother know Lamar Jackson. You gotta you gotta complete a pass down the field. That was those were the situations I wanted him to see that I want you know wanted. I wanted to see him in those type of situations. In the playoffs, throughout the regular season, he often thrived in those situations. He often made plays in those situations. But in the postseason against against the Tennessee Titans, he didn't make very he, he didn't make a lot of those plays. And you might go back and look at his stats. You can go back and listen to my podcast after that game, where yes, his stats. Ooh, he's, he filled the stat sheet. Had a lot of yardage. But what, when did that yardage come? That yardage came when Tennessee started playing a zone, when Tennessee started playing prevent, protecting the protecting the end zone. So that all that, you know, that was a lot of that was a lot of chunk yardage. That was that was a lot of that was a lot of trash yardage. So you can go back and look at the numbers of that game, be like, oh, what are you talking about? He had great numbers. Nah, uh-uh, uh-uh. When Tennessee got the lead. Their defense fell back, and that's when Lamar Jackson got those yardage. That's where he got most of his yards from. So, I, you know, I want to see Lamar take the next step in that progression. But I think Lamar could—he could be—he he can be in this tier one class 
next year. He can be in that class. He can be in that tier. I just don't have him right there. And I know some of you guys are going to, you know, nitpick and say, oh, we, where's Lamar Jackson? Tier one. Lamar Jackson's definitely tier one. I don't think so. Not yet. Not yet. And with that reason. Because you look at, you look at all these guys, tier one. Brady, Russell Wilson, Mahomes, Rodgers, Wentz, Ben Roethlisberger, and Drew Brees. They are high completion. They are high completion percentage guys. Those guys, when it, when it, when it's time for them to make a play with their arm, they can make it. They can make it. If you take Russell Wilson's legs away, he can make the play with his arm. I want to see that with Lamar. I want to see that with Lamar. You can, you, you can, I think you can, you can, you can continue to win with the way how Lamar plays, but I do want to see him get better at throwing on the boundaries, Com- making, making tough completions along the boundary. Go back and look at some of his games. Go back and look at some of his highlights. A lot of his completions came in the middle of the field. Nice windows, but I want to see him complete those throws on the boundary, near the, on the boundary, near the edge of the field, outside edges of the field. I want to see him make those throws. I want to see him make those throws at a high percentage. I want to see him. That's why I don't have Lamar Jackson at my tier one. On my tier one. That's why I don't have him there. I got to see more of that. Um, I, I, I explained... Uh, Deshaun Watson, why he's at tier two, not tier one. Jimmy Guapola, I know some of you guys think, why is Jimmy Guapola at tier two? Well, impact. Impact. I look at impact as well. When Jimmy Guapola was not playing for the 49ers, when Jimmy Guapola was either hurt or not playing, guess what the 49ers record was with him, without him? Four and twenty. They were four and twenty without him. They're, practic- they're practically unbeatable with him. They're practically unbeatable with him. They went thirteen and three with him. Twenty-two and five as a starter. They're practically unbeatable with him. I know some of you guys are like, oh, I can't stand Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy has limitations. Okay. You could say that, but the 49ers are significantly, they are significantly better with Jimmy Garoppolo. He's 21 and 5 as a starter. He was 13 and 3 last year. They're practically unbeatable with him. They're unbeatable with this guy. He is 19 and 5. Without Jimmy Garoppolo, the 49ers are 4-20. With him, he's 19-5. and <laughs> They're practically unbeatable. They're unbeatable when Jimmy Garoppolo is under center. Oh, you want to bring up the Super Bowl loss? Yeah, he lost to the best quarterback in football. He lost to the best quarterback, talent-wise, I've probably ever seen. Patrick Mahomes, okay? <laughs> if, if, you, if, if, that, if, if that's going to be your knock on Jimmy Garoppolo, oh, boy, oh, boy. If that's going to be your knock that he lost, that he lost to Patrick Mahomes, if that's going to be the point that you stand on with, you know, going against Jimmy Garoppolo, boy, oh, boy. <laughs> boy, oh, boy. Okay, I guess. I don't know. It's not a good it's not a good point to stand on though. Yeah, oh, Jimmy Garoppolo? What? 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 Yeah, he lost to Patch Mahomes. Oh, yeah, Patch Mahomes, like, you know, he's only the best quarterback, you know, in football. <laughs> so that's not a good that I wouldn't stand on that argument if you're against Jimmy G. I like Jimmy Garoppolo. I like Jimmy Garoppolo. So you guys, you guys practically understand. Um, I don't think there's much to argue with after my analysis and my breakdown on why 
Uh, I have guys in certain places. I don't think there's much, you know, I don't, you know, you guys, you guys should agree. You should be, I, I like it, I often, but I do like it. I, I must say, I do like it when you guys disagree because it's more compelling. You know, the show becomes more interesting. So I do like when you guys disagree and we can have arguments and I want to hear you guys' points. I do like that. I like it very much. But I don't think you can argue Brady, Russell Wilson, Mahomes, Rodgers, Wentz, Ben, and Breeze. I don't think you can argue that. Now, Ben Roethlisberger, we got to see how he we, we have to see how he recovers from the elbow injury. But you know, I'm just gonna give him benefit of the doubt. Ben Roethlisberger is tier one. He's tier one. Some of these guys, some of these guys are out of their prime, but some of them are in their prime. Um, so yeah. That is my tears for quarterbacks that I promise you guys. Now, like I said, you know, topics. We're not. We're, I, I'm not. I'm not running out of topics. But I, I thought I would do some interesting topics. Um, as we are boiling down, we are getting closer and closer, and we're getting, we're getting closer and closer to the draft. But pretty soon, top is going to be dried up, right? So, I came together last night. Um, last night, because I've been having these, you know, these debates and these, oh, well, not debates, but discussions and, you know, arguments about players, NBA players. We're going to shift gears. NBA players. And I gave my top 10 NBA players of all time. My top 10 players, NBA, my top 10 players. In the NBA of all time, I thought this would be a good this would be a good time, cause like, let's let's think let's go back and think about it. When I did my first episode, and when I brought you guys my first episode, my first few episodes of the podcast, I didn't talk much about me. I gave you guys the topics. I mean, cause you know when I first started this podcast, it was in July. It was doing NBA free agency of last year. And, of course, there were a lot of big moves last year. So I talked a lot about the topics. I talked about the topics. And then we slowly rolled into the NFL season. But you guys never really got to know, like, who's my favorite player? Who, I mean, who's my favorite player? I, you know, players that I like to watch. You know? You guys don't know much about me. <laughs> you guys don't know. You know, you guys know I like uh you know, you know, I rave about Russell Wilson a lot. I lay, I rave about LeBron James a lot. You guys know that. You know. But I just I just thought I'd give you guys my top ten NBA players of all time. And I'm gonna start from ten. Um uh, and I'm gonna break it I'm gonna break it down like I like I did my tears, but I'm gonna break it down as well. I'm gonna break this down as well. So my top ten NBA players of all time, number ten, Hakeem Olajuwon. Uh, Elijah Wan, uh, he dominated, you know, he, he was really good in the 80s, but, you know, won his titles in the mid-90s, uh, soon after Michael Jordan retired, he won two titles, he, he was the best, once Jordan retired, he was the best player in basketball, um, probably, he, you know, some would make the argument that he's the best center in basketball in, 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 in history, um, but Elijah Wan, I think, I think, I think Elijah Wan, is the only player to win Defensive Player of the Year, MVP, and a championship, and Finals MVP. I think he's the only player to do that in NBA history, all in the same year, to win Defensive Player of the Year, MVP, win a champion, uh, and win Finals MVP. I think he is the only player to do so in NBA history. So, um, and of course. The Dream Shake, one of the most unstoppable moves, um, one of the hardest moves to guard in league history. So I have Elijah Wan at 10. At 9, Shaq. Shaq is probably the most dominant force in league history besides Will Chamberlain. Shaq, uh, really good in Orlando, uh, really became, he really became Shaq Diesel. Superman. He's he he became that in L.A. where he that those were his most dominant years. He was 
the best player in basketball, and he had the second best player in basketball right alongside with him. Um, Shaq, like I said, most dominant force uh, that we have ever seen besides Wilt Chamberlain. Uh, won three, three-peated with the Lakers, you know, went to Miami, of course, won a title there, and then, you know, finished off, the se- finished off his career. But Shaq at nine. Um, at eight, Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan is the greatest power forward of all time. Um, he's the greatest power forward of all time. He has five championships. Tim Duncan, you know, throughout that, throughout Shaq, you know, in the middle of Shaq's run with the Lakers, Tim Duncan won titles too. <laughs> Tim Duncan won titles too. Uh, and he was a part, he was the, the main catalyst of the, the the Spurs dynasty and the Spurs winning five championships um, in what in the span of what 17, 20 years. That so he's a part of you know he's the he's the lead he's the top dog of that. Um, but by far the, the the greatest power forward ever in basketball. Tim Duncan at eight. Uh, I have Larry Bird at seven. I don't like today's generation and. You know, you can include me in that because I'm in today's generation. But in today's generation, I just don't think kids realize how good Larry Bird was. I just don't I, I just don't think kids realize how good Larry Bird was. I just don't think you I think I don't I just don't think kids realize how good this guy was. In 13 seasons, he had he had averaged six double-doubles. He had six seasons where he averaged double-doubles. He had won back-to-back-to-back MVPs. The only guy to do that. He's the only player in NBA history to win back-to-back-to-back MVPs. Two finals MVPs with three championships and, 10, and made 10 all-NBA teams in just 13 seasons. Larry Bird was a monster. He was a, he's a, he's what you see a lot of today. He was a 6'9", 6'10", forward that can shoot the ball, but not only just shoot it, but can handle it and can pass the ball as good as, you know, as good as the greatest player, as, as good as the greatest passers in basketball, as we see today, LeBron and Magic. He's as good. He's as good of a passer as those guys. So I, I you know, Bird is. I, I feel like I, I feel like today's generation just don't know how good Larry Bird was. Um, also, a great, a great clutch player. He is a great clutch player, uh, and he and made three All Defensive Teams, but a great clutch player. Like we often, we often compare Luke. I, I often compare Luca to Larry, like he's this generation's Larry Bird. Like what Luca is doing, I think Larry would be doing a lot of the same things, um, or probably even better, um, because Bird was that good. And I just don't think you know kids realize like how good he is. Um, at six, Bill Russell. I think this is an easy one. Bill Russell is at six. First, once again, the guy played 13 seasons. Yes, I know he didn't have the offensive gaudy numbers that uh, Wilt Chamberlain had, but but Bill Russell won 11 titles in 13 years. First, that's just, that's amazing. Yeah, you can make the argument, okay, he had a lot of Hall of Famers, but just the fact that you're, you're, you're able to win 11 titles in 13 years, amazing. Also, he's a pioneer of the game. A, excuse me, he's a pioneer of the game. The out, the, the 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 outlet pass that the big men make, Bill Russell was doing that in the 60s, um, in the 50s and 60s. The the fast break, the start in the fast break, Bill Russell was doing that in the 50s and 60s. Um, you know, just the the things that he has done socially. That and politically, that's not talked about enough. We already know how significant that is, and that is a huge part of him pioneering the game. But a lot of what you see um, nowadays 
that's what you use. That's what you used to see from Bill Russell: the outlet pass, fast breaks, blocks, defense. A lot of that, what you see, that's from Bill Russell. Bill Russell pioneered that, so that's why I have him at six. At five, Kobe. I have Kobe at five. Kobe, uh, closest thing to Michael Jordan. Uh, stylistically, stylistically, he's the closest thing to Michael Jordan. Talk like him, shoot like him, walk like him. Uh, he does a lot of stuff like Michael Jordan. Kobe Bryant at five. I think this is self-explanatory. A great a one. He's probably the he's probably the best tough shot maker in league history. Like I don't think there's players that have taken and making the amount of tough shots that Kobe has in his career. He is taking a amount. He's taking a, a difficult amount of jump, tough jump shots and have nailed nailed them. I think Kobe and, and of, of course, you know, five-time champion, um, you know, great clutch player, of course. At four, Magic Johnson, easy. He's the greatest point guard of all time. He's the greatest point guard of all time. He's won five championships. He was, a you know, during the 80s, him, I often say, him and Larry Bird saved the league because the league was coming on. The, fi- the NBA Finals was coming on tape delay. Him and M- Magic and Bird saved the league. Bird, resu- Bird and Magic resurrected the league. That is what that is the significant part of Magic. Not to mention that you know the fast break, the no look passes, the you know just the his charisma, his uh, and then you know his game, his offensive game getting better. As he aged, not often talked about a lot, but as Kareem aged, Magic got better as an offensive threat, as a you know, as a scoring threat. So Magic is definitely greatest point guard of all time. And at number four, at number three, Kareem, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Lou Alcindor. Uh, that was what he was formerly known as until you know he made his transition. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at three. Uh, easily. He's probably the greatest college basketball player in, in college basketball ever. He's probably the greatest college basketball player of all time. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at UCLA was unstoppable. Uh, uh, I mean, unstoppable. Unstoppable. Um, he goes to Milwaukee early in the 70s. He, he dominates. Then goes to L.A., he becomes a legend. He wins, what, six titles? I think Kareem won six titles. Yeah, Kareem, Kareem won six titles. And I don't think we often mention, we don't often mention how good, how good, uh, or like how good Kareem was. I don't think we often mention that. He was a six-time MVP, and as we all know, He's the leading all. He's the he's the all. He's the all-time leading scorer in league history, with the most unstoppable move of all time is you know of course his sky hook. Like I said, I don't think we mentioned Kareem a lot in the goat conversation, but there's a hell of an argument for Kareem to be in the goat conversation. You know, in on a very a very underrated defender. One one he won a championship in Milwaukee. Continued his continued his career in L.A. He won five more titles. I mean, dominant, unstoppable, and a really underrated defender. He doesn't get much credit for his defense. As of course, as he aged, he got you know he didn't get better as a defender, but he was a really good defender in his prime. Uh, at two, it's gonna be a shocking. It's gonna be shocking. But at, oh, not shocking. But at two. I have LeBron James. Uh, LeBron James is a physical specimen. At 6'8", 250, 260, with the passing ability, with the ball handling ability, and then you add his scoring, which, you know, often comes, you know, we talk about his scoring, but he's a pass-first guy. And, the, the, and the, you know, the, the funny thing about LeBron is he's known and he's always been known as a pass-first guy. Many have critiqued him and criticized him because – they think he passes too much. So, look at this. Pass first guy. He's going to he's going to end he's, he, I think I I'm I'm really I really think he's going to end up as 
the league's leading scorer of all time. He's going to end up as the all-time leading scorer in league history. Uh, the route he's going, he he he, just need, he needs three more seasons of 25 points per game. <laughs> three more seasons of 25 points per game. He'll be the all-time leading scorer, and he has a good shot to have 40,000 points. So LeBron would be the all-time leading scorer in league history. He had he had finished top five in assists, and he had finished top ten in rebounds. You when it comes to LeBron, you can't play the numbers game because he can he 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 beat he 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 practically beats out everybody when it comes to numbers. Now, of course, the lingering stat or record that you guys think of is three and six. But I ultimately think, and I legitimately think that LeBron has a good chance to be number one. You know, if he can, if he can win, if he can win his fourth title, as a, you know, if he win the fourth title with the Lakers, that'd be his third title with three. That'd be three titles with three different teams. That four in total. That would be that would be that would be a huge accomplishment. Accomplishment, and that'd be something that nobody has ever done. So I have LeBron at two. Of course, I mean we already know how physical, like how physically imposing he is, and the dominance that he has had in the league. We all know that. Year seventeen, leading the league in assists, averaging twenty five, eight and ten. We all know this already. And then at number one, of course, Michael Jordan. Um, Michael Jordan, he he he, possess, he possessed the swagger, the skill. You know, all of the, all, I mean, I mean, what more can you say about the guy? Swagger, skill, the walk it, he can talk it. Uh, he, you know, defensive player of the year, a great wing defender, uh, a great score. You know, he won multiple scoring titles, five-time MVP, six-time champions, never lost in the finals. I mean, I know you guys have probably heard that so many times, but Michael Jordan as my greatest player in in, in, in basketball. Uh, I feel I feel like LeBron has a really strong case. I feel like Kareem has a really strong case um, for Michael Jordan. I mean, for the number one spot. But Michael, you know, he's he's number one. He's six and zero in the finals. It's hard to top that. Yes, he struggled in the eighties, but. You know, he had a great dom- he had a great dominant run in the nineties, what propelled him to being now the best pl- you know, the best player of all time. Um, yeah, that's my that is my all time list of my greatest players. Uh thank you guys for listening. Uh tuning in to a tuning in to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. We are only growing. We are growing, growing, growing. Um I would like to I would like to take this time to tell you guys that uh I am you know you all you guys know that I'm a senior um you know the coronavirus I haven't I haven't gone to school in about 3 weeks now 2 weeks I think 2 weeks I haven't gone to school in 2 weeks uh of course I I can't wait to this thing to this outbreak curve the numbers curve the cases go down uh the, you know they find a vaccine but I'm gonna. I'm not gonna talk about more. I'm not gonna talk a lot more. I'm not gonna talk more about that because I'm gonna let the doctors and the scientists, you know, do their job. But uh, you hope to. Hopefully, this outbreak happens. But you all know I'm a senior. Uh, I will be heading to American University, uh, class of 2024. Shout out to the class of 2024 of American University. Thank you guys. You guys. Um. You know. Can't wait to meet up and catch up with you guys. But um, shout out to American University. I am going. To, I will be attending American University, um, uh, you know, this fall for college, of course. But thank you guys. You guys have been so gracious. Uh, some gracious listeners throughout these hard times. Just some great quarantine content. But I, I catch you guys later. I catch you guys after another episode or on the next episode. I'm sorry. But uh, thank you guys for tuning in, listening. Always remember, two choices, one decision. I'm out. Peace.